planet. Network. I think we have too many things to talk about right now. That is literally the theme of 2020. Also, I think we have to go back to introducing ourselves every time too, because I assume I... we are going to have tons of new listeners every time we produce something. Okay, you know what? You're right. I'm Dakari. I'm Ronaldo. And we are brought to you by Tropics, of course. And then also Limeade, our, our two best sponsors. I need to go there for real. Uh, Brandon, you're flying? They are flying. Oh, okay. I Good. actually have a package here. I have, I have so much. This guy's birthday in a couple of days. So I know I got a bunch of stuff. And there Josh to actually has uh, a special on Limeade. I got to like go back. By the end of the podcast, I'll remember to... I'll bring you guys a special. That's right. Kaisen's birthday is coming up. So I've seen the ads. Uh, good job, Lime Made. Cause um, I just, you know, I, I see want, some things happening. I, I wouldn't message Josh and just be like, Yo, some things wow, happening. What, what, what are you doing? I'll tell you what he's doing. <laughs> what are you doing? How did this come about? Selling products is what he's doing. <laughs> who, is your, who organized this for you? The Franklin Sane of the citrus, <laughs> the citrus drink game. I built this shit brick by brick, nigga. Franklin Sane out there. Shout out to Bella Buns too. Bellamons, uh, it's my favorite guilty pleasure, and I ate too much during quarantine, and now I gotta run copious amounts of miles to make up for it. Bella's a chick, right? Uh, one of each. Okay, cool, 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 cool. I mean, we were here before, but we're here back again. Um, but on this podcast, I think like if you listen to I Need a Minute before, you know we try to be topical. We try to um. Tenthia Seniors always tries to talk about sports in some vein or make sports references, a metaphor, shouts to the podfather. And this has been a time or a week where sports and pop culture have literally intertwined. Yo, it's been a year where you have not been able to, as a matter of fact. But this week in particular, I feel yeah. like it's even more heightened. It's been, it's been like that since 2016, really. Mm-hmm. It got to a next level this year. Because since the clock changed, since the calendar flipped over to 2020, there's been no separating the two, even though there has been people with certain political ideologies that tell you to separate the two while they don't do it. But you can't separate the two. This week, shit hit the fan all across the board. So if you don't know what we're referring to, the NBA um, went on a strike on Thursday, I believe. The Milwaukee Bucks were supposed to play the Orlando Magic. And the Milwaukee Bucks just said no. They just said, no, we're not going to play. There was even consternation before the NBA decided to do the bubble that a lot of players, and Kyrie Irving was chief among them, that there should be a larger pushback that having sports to entertain people might distract from a lot of the issues. And now when you're in a bubble, you're just playing basketball and you're entertaining a country and a group of people who don't value your life the same way. And that was always Kyrie's take. And a lot of people pushed back on that because they wanted sports back so much. There's a multi-billion dollar industry. ESPN and Disney were a part of this. And when when the, the most recent shooting happened, um, the Milwaukee Bucks and George Hill, apparently, because I know a lot of my friends were my like, guy. fucking George Hill. But George Hill was one of the people, and the Bucks were getting ready, and they just said, like, no, we came to the decision at the last minute. Kyle Cover, a lot of the other Bucks were in their jerseys, the Magic were on the court, and they're like, no basketball today. Yeah, and I think in the moment, if you didn't connect the dots and figure out that the Jacob Blake shooting happened in Kenosha, Wisconsin, and obviously, whoa, it's Wisconsin, like, Milwaukee's their team, so it's going, they're going to have a personal connection with that, they are one of the teams in the NBA that has a player on their roster who had a very high-profile incident of police brutality, and then, like you mentioned, Kyle Culver is always in tune with these kind of issues, he penned an incredible letter for the Players' Tribune, I think it was, where he talked about, it's not enough just to to be an ally you have to literally be a voice for anti-racism so you know where kyle Culver's head is with this kind of stuff so 
all of this stuff is going on. And like you mentioned, these dudes had the trepidation about actually being in the bubble before. So, but everything was going good. The NBA was beating the coronavirus, but the NBA could not beat who we talked about as the number one seed in the big three. NBA could not beat racism. Racism is undefeated. Never lost. Ne- like, never lost. Of, like, the coronavirus, a pandemic. The NBA was like, you know what, I got you. We can they were this bragging out. about this shit. Every time the press release comes out, you can imagine Adam Silver just having his uh, his putt-putt uh, course set up in his office yeah. and just and just watching how Trump is handling it, handling the coronavirus for the country. And Adam Silver's like, shit, couldn't have been me. No. No, like I didn't. Look at this. We, were, every we already two, beat it. Every two weeks there's a press release, zero cases. Not one person. But of course, racism is America's franchise player. <sighs> Never lost racism signs and a max walking quadruple <laughs> racism signs a max contract mm-hmm. in the NBA socioeconomic system. Every time there's renegotiations, yeah, every single time. Racism has its own economy. Racism is the LeBron of issues in America. Okay, please don't say that to LeBron. Just you know what? LeBron's actually lost, so it can't be Jordan. Okay, stop stop comparing black athletes to racism. But but after after that was the stage was set, right? And then like you said, the reasons that the Bucks would be that team who made that decision and they did it first and then there was a trickle down. Uh the magic then said, Okay, we're but, not playing. We are not gonna accept the forfeit from the Bucks. You know what may have forced the Bucks to I guess force the issue a little bit and kind of keep it under wraps because as we're going to talk about a little bit later, the fact that it wasn't really talked about became a big deal. I think once Fred Van Vliet started saying that the Raptors are thinking about just leaving. The Raptors were like, fuck this. Yeah, we're going to Canada, a place where we still deal with this stuff, but on a much smaller scale. And then... It would have been such a power move by the Raptors. For a Canadian team to just leave. For a Canadian team to just leave one and two, y'all ain't never beat us. Remember what Doc Rivers used to say That's about true. the Boston Celtics? No one ever beat them when they were completely healthy. I hate that goddamn team so much. Except for Doc Rivers. I like him I, now after his yeah, speech. Yeah, but I'm like, because we have to go back to to even even before the Van, Van Vliet thing. Doc Rivers' um, speech and comments after yeah. they destroyed the Mavericks, beat them by almost um, 50 points. Well, Doc but... Rivers gives an impassioned speech, takes off his mask, and makes a comment of, like, black people keep loving a country that does not love them back. And that resonated with so many of the players. And even going back to Kenosha, um, it was on top of the shooting. And then you had the spree shooting um, by Kyle, whatever the fuck his name is. Call Kyle Murderer. Kyle Murderer, um, all of that was in the in, uh, came into play, and the players really then just I think decided that enough was enough, and that just going out there and kneeling and wearing a T-shirt was not going to be effective. It was not going to get um, everyone's attention. And the same way people have become accustomed to working from home, America then became accustomed to seeing that polite kind of protest, and that was not effective anymore. My only. I have a plea, an open plea just to make. I would like for the establishment just to explain to all black people, just give a general consensus of the proper way to protest. Because we have yet to find it. Whatever is done is always the wrong way to protest. Don't. (laughs) So that's it. That's it. Just be cool with everything. Just never... Never raise your voice above a certain decibel level. Never get hot under the collar. Just always be cool. Uh, yo, always be chill. Someone That's created it. that meme with someone just pointing at the word don't. The proper way to protest for black people. Just don't fucking do it. That's what they want. And it's always funny to see or to hear conservatives and people who claim uh, law and order now um, when the law and order uh, campaign for presidency. I know David Wolf won't change their name so bad. <laughs> like... The people, the protesters that conservatives and white people lionize now, the Martin Luther Kings, uh, John Lewis's, they were not popular figures in their day. And they were some of the most hated people in the country. They also killed them too. 
<laughs> like, I mean, I think people forget about that part whenever oh. you talk, whenever this comes up and then you have... A, well, then they get to say the lone gunman thing. That's their whole thing. Get the fuck. Air quotes. The lone gunman killed everybody. Because in the 60s, they killed more than just MLK. Like, they was out there killing everybody that was a dissenting voice for anything. But it goes it goes back to it goes back to something that Bomani said. He said the protest actually this was tongue in cheek, but he said the protest actually started with the Dallas Mavericks the night before cuz they decided just not to show up for that game. Like that's when <laughs> that's when it really started that the NBA decided that we are going to be done with the bubble cuz the Mavericks just wasn't there. But even after and we know how important in basketball terms how important that game was for the Clippers because all the momentum was on Luka Doncic Everything was about the Mavericks and them pulling off this upset. The Clippers come out and have the statement game, but Doc Rivers seemingly did not give, give a, fuck. a fuck. Paul George did not give a fuck. Returned to playoff P. Kawhi Leonard was yelling at his teammates. He was going into Jordan mode. Hate them. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to die on the, that hill. The Clippers was out. They was ready. They were like, nah, fuck this. We ready for the Lakers now. Doc Rivers said he doesn't care about any yeah. We have to talk about this now. Like, th- like that's it. I'm not going to talk about pick and rolls. I'm not going to talk about rebounding, closing know, out on threes. So we saw um, the Bucks and the Magic do it. The Magic um, co-signed what the Bucks did. And then the other teams then who were playing that day, the Rockets and the Thunder, Chris Paul, who was head of the Players Union, and then... And future Le- president of the United States of America. And then LeBron James and, um, LeBron James and the Lakers and the Portland Trailblazers were playing... Um, the nine o'clock prime time game, and you know LeBron is the symbol of the NBA. Yeah, he's the face of the league. He is the person conservatives go after every single time they have to talk about any kind of athlete. He is the main target. Um, and we were like, kind of even before this, kind of uh, making fun or cracking jokes about like LeBron James reading the Malcolm X biography and being on page three yet again because <laughs> there's so many pictures of lebron of him reading books where it's like at the beginning of the book and that was that was funny because yo we get to laugh and we get to crack on our own <laughs> but then when lebron tweeted um yo fuck this essentially like use an expertise and he like, never being, he didn't take it down that's the yeah, shit for me when i yeah. saw it, he let it stay up there i was like woo, woo. so that was shit, that's just too real it was and then it became not only is LeBron the face of the league, and he is the leader of, like, let's be honest, dog. Like, uh, he is the leader of the players, or when people say the NBA, that's who they, they mean, mean but, LeBron. Because if you're a casual observer of this, and that particular demographic loves to say they're casual observers of this, they only know LeBron James because he's a big enough star to transcend this. As great yeah. as Kawhi Leonard and Paul George may be, if know. you don't pay attention they to basketball, you don't know who they any are. Of our playoff, our, uh, playoff P memes, they don't get it. Yeah, they they don't get any of that stuff, but they know that LeBron James, his voice is big enough to resonate across different demographics. So he's always the meat shield. He is always the target for people that attack the NBA and. For a predominantly black league, you know that a certain sect of conservatives is always going to attack them. They attack them just for being who they are. So if stuff like this comes up, then you know what the pushback is going to be. And immediately, Jared Kushner did not say um, he's going to get in contact with Chris Paul or James Harden or Luka Doncic. He didn't even say Adam Silver. He He didn't even say the commissioner of the NBA. He said LeBron. He said the star of the Lakers. He made his bullshit comments about, like, it's great that the NBA players get to take a night off. Jared fucking Kushner said that. (laughs) Yo, that that is, like, elite level whiteness right there. To be a trust fund, silver spoon kid who married into a wealthy family, who is now negotiating Middle East policy with no credentials, then saying to LeBron James, who made himself... Your privilege allows you to take take a night off. To take a shot at LeBron, and then all of the NBA for taking one day off. LeBron should have asked him, nigga, you ever worked? Like, for real worked? (laughs) Have you ever had to work under the possibility that you may be fired? Because I don't think he's ever actually no, had that's that. Never, that's, that's never, never ha- At no point in his life he's ever had that kind of trepidation walking into a workplace. You don't know what they're going through. So don't even... But, you know, that's what they do. And so then the, so then the story them. started to, like, come out about, like, what was happening. Because first, um, we heard there was going to be a players-only meeting um, at 9. But then the coaches and the refs were going to be there um, after, like, more reporting was This done. whole thing, huge moment for NBA Twitter, by the way. Cr- 
I could not stop refreshing. Huge moment. Because literally, the season was on the line. Yeah. And we always realized, we love to talk about blueprint on the line, right? Whole season. And this is the framework of it. If you're like deep into NBA Twitter world or deep into the business of the NBA, if they don't play this year, they might not play again until 2022. So this is two years of LeBron James' prime. That's basically two years of salaries that a lot of those athletes wouldn't be getting while they negotiate, while coronavirus is still going, and we don't know if there's another bubble or what's going to happen. So this was a big decision to be made. And we always say this, like, players like LeBron and Steph and Kawhi and James Harden, they good. They yeah. could survive that. But yeah, but that's not who it's about. Because it's not about the, the, tw- the 24 names that we know that are in the All-Star game. It's not about the 15 names that make the All-NBA teams. It's about Max Kleber. <laughs> Yo, we have to get into why you have it out for this dude because... I actually think he's a nice player. But anyway. He needs to set better screens for Luka and knock down a corner three. And Porzingis is now out. The only thing he doesn't do properly is he doesn't stay and set on the screen. He's always slipping too early because he's afraid of contact. Because he's soft. That's why. (laughs) That's why I'm saying the Mavericks should have won game four comfortably with Max Kleber. The Mavericks should have won game one before Porzingis ever got hurt. Okay, see, this is what happens to basketball And this is why Kyrie was like, yo, why are we even playing? Because look at what we just did. We got into Max Kleber pick and roll screen set and talk. I mean, all of that is true. But the the thing that bothered me as this was going on, though, and... We always say, yo, black people are not a monolith. All of us are not going to think the same way. It's not going to be one voice. No matter what people tell you, if you research this kind of stuff, it's never always been one voice. Even at the height of every step in the civil rights movement, there have been people on opposing sides, all right? In the moment, everybody did not think MLK was this great guy who was coming to save the day. Everyone did not think Malcolm X was a progressive thinker that is going to uplift black people like that it's never that way so when the news of this came out there was so many strong dissenting voices of people saying why don't they just play and i was startled to see that there were so many people that never took inventory or were not self-aware to realize that the only thing they cared about was their sports feel good like even if you were talking about the movement before all of that went out the window because you just wanted to see the nba playoffs like, I am someone that loves the NBA. I write sports for a living, and I was like, wait, fuck this. If this is what y'all decide to do, then great. That was my exact emotion at the time. You know, we want to see LeBron James and the Lakers win a championship. Yeah. But in that moment when they said that um, the Lakers and the Clippers walked out of the meeting and decided that they weren't going to play when emotions are running high, and Shams had reported that, and then Woj walked it back a little bit yeah, uh, yeah. for ESPN and cleaned it up, and I was like, Shams, I think Woj got you on that one. Yeah. Especially when we play in the result. Oh, we've but, got to talk about how the media have been covering but this I, shit, too. I remember my reaction was like, fuck, does I need to watch basketball no more then? Like, I don't... It's not that... It's not that important in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. Like, it is more important that these players decide that that's what they want to do, but I think, like, a lot of us had... Uh, the reaction that we know that they're going to play again just based off of most of the players wanted to play the two elite teams the Clippers and the Lakers said no which I think a lot of that was probably like LeBron and Kawhi and Doc and but for the other players in the league the other players in that bubble whose careers and their uh, aren't as set and financially aren't as set as some of those players on the the Clippers and the Lakers they had to buck back on that you mean the magic I know. I feel like nobody on the Magic makes a lot of money. Although people have to. That's crazy. I know. Of course they do. They have to. But even some. My mindset, I'm just thinking that. Like, even when Fred Van Vliet was talking about doing a boycott or the Raptors. He ain't get paid yet. He's about to to get paid next season. Right. So even that they were making that decision. Yeah, by Phoenix. Phoenix, that's the move. That's clearly the move. Listen. Him and Devin booking the you bar court. two elite light-skinned shooters. Where have we seen that before? See? And that's why Kyrie's saying that. Yeah. But then, Shit. so let's, go, <laughs> let's get back into... 
So let's Who, by the back. way, I didn't I didn't even disagree with him at the time, but a lot of it, a lot of it was just people pushing back on the messenger, and I always think that's a that's a dangerous thing that people do because you totally negate what the message is because you don't like who it's coming from, yeah. and we're not always discernible enough to separate the two. This podcast, our first, not this podcast, but tenth year senior, yeah. First podcast was an anti-Kyrie podcast. And we've been on that energy ever since. Yeah. but Except, except when he hit that shot against Golden State, though. Uh, wait. I get, I get mixed up in the years trying to remember who I was rooting for at that time. Because I know really, I was rooting for the Warriors, but I was in, like, fuck Kyrie Irving. I was more impressed that You know what? I was, I was pulling for the Cavs that time, but I know once KD got there, I wanted the Warriors to win. So that's how I knew in that moment I was pulling for the Cavs that year because I needed... Well, not needed because I I gotta I started changing the way I talk about all this kind of stuff. I wanted LeBron to win that mm-hmm. one in Cleveland because, like you just said, we don't actually need any of this. Like this no. stuff is great and we love it, but we don't need it. And if they decided not to play, we knew the NBA was coming back at a point, even if it's not right now. But like at some point, you gotta push back on this stuff, right? Like not comparing any of these dudes to Muhammad Ali because he is the high bar for this who that's another person by the way who everybody hated in the moment but they love to revere 40 years later yeah. well they revered him as soon as he couldn't talk anymore but in the prime of his career he had to step back and said look i'm not doing this i don't care what your punishment is for me i'm not doing this and he ended up being broke this is somebody who was already not getting the money he was supposed to be getting because of don king but he went broke standing on principles these dudes grew up Sorry, hearing stories about uh, Tommy Smith and John Carlos, 68 Olympics. Like, you mm-hmm. you know what it is. They just saw what Colin Kaepernick had to go through. Everybody was a part of the conversations around the last dance where people were like, all of Jordan's power was on the basketball court and his influence in business, but he never wielded that influence to help uh, the community. Mm-hmm. So you seeing all of this stuff. You knowing all of this stuff, and now it's your turn up at the plate. You don't want to make the same mistakes. You don't want to make the same mistakes. So obviously you're going to try to do something to differentiate yourself from that and to make your mark. These dudes are just in the bubble the whole time. They just scrolling on their phones just like the rest of us. When they finish with practice and they finish playing, they doing all the same shit that we doing. Don't mind that their job is paying them more. They got all that free time. Because I promise you, when they done with when they done with practice and game, they ain't doing shit else. There's nothing yeah. else to do. There's nothing else to do in the bubble. So all the rea- all the visceral reactions that we have to everything that we're seeing, they are the same. Like, don't think of these people as just entertainers who are put there. And that's the part of it that bothered me the most. It's almost as if we don't humanize them. Like they they're not supposed to have the same emotions. They're just supposed to go out there and entertain. They have the same takes on this stuff that we do. So when you saw um, this playing out Thursday night and you mentioned um, NBA Twitter and players being on their phone and they were on their phone probably seeing Shams and Woj tweet in real time about what's happening. Trying to figure out who talking this shit. Trying to figure out who was snitching. And, you know, my suggestion was, of course, Max Kleber. Um, (laughs) I went with Max Kleber. I had a list of people who I thought was the snitch. We all did. And then, like, had their phone in record mode doing some Carrie Matheson from Homeland shit. And um, I had Max Kleber. And who, who was your guy? Who was your guest? Paul George. No, that was Charo's guest. Charo's, I know. I'm Charo's take, guest, Paul I'm taking George. That, I'm taking that from him because he's not here. Okay, but who was your original guest? I'd have, to go, I'd have to go in the group, man. Because uh, we, we were trying to guess who was the snitch, who was the person. We, and then the, the conversation was like, oh, it's not going to be one of the white players because they ain't... Yeah, I, that's why I pushed back on Kleber because I'm yeah. like... I'm like for a white person to be in the NBA world, in the professional basketball community, um, you understand that you would much rather be revered and included rather than be excluded. That's not the way that works so once you decide I to be a basketball I player. Max Klebel, though he can't knock down. I think I said J.R. Smith. Jeff Green, J.R. Smith, possibly KCP. Oh, KCP. KCP. I don't know why I was just picking Lakers because I feel like they have the right. They're the ones that probably have the most reason to be upset at LeBron, right? Mm-hmm. So I was thinking J.R. Smith because remember when that time when J.R. Smith was like. Y'all talk about how hard it is to, to play with LeBron. Imagine how hard it is for him with us or something like that. <laughs> J.R. Smith had done some stupid take like that, bro. So I was like, 
Yeah, he seems like he doesn't have the wherewithal to really be a discerning with these predator. conversations. So I was thinking that is him, but they obviously have their sources inside. It could be someone who's not a player at all, by the way, but so it's whatever. The news came out and Shams, like we said, uh, tweeted out like the Lakers and the Clippers walked out and we said there could be no season without LeBron. You heard he may be going to ESPN, right? Shams? Yeah. They may be getting the band back together. Super team. I saw a tweet that said this is exactly like when Kyrie called LeBron and was like, you know what, being number one ain't all it's cracked up to be. Yeah. So it would be like the same thing. Yes. I want to see that happens. Like, that little detail in the difference between what Sham said about the Clippers and the he Lakers. Absolutely young boy him. Versus what Woj said, which made it kind of more clear. And then LeBron probably is like, thank you, Woj. Because that made it seem like LeBron walked out and was saying no season and everyone was reacting to that. Think about how much they have to respect Woj because when Woj used to actually write, he used to kill LeBron. He used to write some absolutely awful shit about LeBron, but like LeBron was out just saying free Woj and stuff like that. Like they obviously let a lot of that go. So the capital he has amongst the players, that's crazy to me. Mm -hmm. So... We got to we get to that moment, um, and then they say everyone go to bed, and then there's another um, call at eleven. And you saw, I think, two things happen that I want to talk about. One, the the people and a lot of this like strong who are very strong in the activism side were like applauding the NBA for going away, and we're saying like we want this to happen. And you saw like Jamel Hills and other people who are on that train, and Kendrick Perkins was getting into shit because at first he was supporting. Um, the strike slash boycott and then he was like oh we don't have a plan like the idea that nba players have to come up with a plan to solve racism in the two hours that they had that meeting a bunch of 20 something year old athletes are the one the ones not in the position of power are the ones that have to come up with the plan to fix this right so that's that's disingenuous of people even saying stuff kendrick perkins never even had a plan for when he got the ball in the post and he wanted these niggas to have a plan for racism. And then he was getting, like, the backlash for that. But I think, like, a lot of people put their entire, like... And I think, in general, you have to stop doing this with heroes or athletes or people who you lionize. Um, because sometimes they make decisions that you don't necessarily align with. Like, everyone could say in their own circle the kind of decision that they would make. But think about one of, the, one of these superstar athletes at a time where you might be good, but your teammates might not be. Or not only just your teammates, everyone else who works for the organization. And that if you just stop playing, what does that do? And I think that weighed on the players overnight. And then we can get into... And again, this was all reflective of LeBron. And then even the, the another comment about Pat Bev um, just being wrong and strong... <laughs> As he, is, as he literally is with everything. It's been, a hor- it's been a horrible bubble for Pat Pev. I mean, but <laughs> if the Clippers get to round two and he's healthy, has it? Damn, yeah. Damn Lillard will be gone. He will be healthy. I don't, I don't know two. if he shakes off being the dick that went at Michelle Roberts like that. Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't know if that's something that just washes away so easily. Because not only is she great at her job, not only does it look horrible because it seems like you're demeaning a woman, not only does it look like you're demeaning a person by saying, I'm paying your salary, she's also a black woman. Yeah. And let's not act like that doesn't matter. That matters because this is a black woman in position of power and you're acting like she shouldn't be. Read the room, Pat Bev. Yeah. <laughs> and it was it was shocking to even, like, read that, to be like, you know what? I don't like Pat Bev anyway, so this is, this is lines up. Like, and not as a person. I'm just talking the about... The character that he created? as I th- an athlete. You know who Pat he is? Pat Bev is probably, like, a good friend to hang out with or a good person to talk to, but when you watch him on the court... And like, has, a, has a great story, but he's turning into Donnie Brasco. He's Omar Epps from In Too Deep. Like, I think he, he created this character, this wrestling villain, and now he can't turn it off as he appears on the screen right now. Because, I mean, let's, he let's, can't let's turn it off. think about what Pat, in Pat Bev's mind, LeBron James caused him not to be on the Miami Heat. And that has sat with Pat Bev. And Pat Bev has turned into, like, but, a DC villain. But he's the one who's out there, he's the one who's out there, like, saying, if, he was on Twitter, if Bron said we playing, we playing. Check ball. When Jared Dudley was like, hey, you know, people ain't ready. People are going to get injured. He was like, sound like you ain't ready year round. Check ball. And then, of course, he comes to the bubble and he's the one that's hurt. 
guy. Like, and then you talk the shit about Dame Lillard, and then he goes on one of the greatest stretches in NBA history, right? Check ball, though. And then, well, the Montrezl Harley ain't got nothing to do with Pat Beverly, but I'm sure. And I saw them, listen, this one bothered me the most. I saw them laughing head over heels when Michael Kidgill just took that jump shot. Yes. And I was like, Fuck, I wish MKG had the power to score 50. He does not. He does but not. I wish he had, I wish he could do something just to continue piling on this shit on Pat Bev thing. See, this is what Kyrie mean again. Because yeah. the minute you mentioned basketball, we and go then off look, like And that. then we're back here. So the meeting happens at 11, and then the NBA players decide to return to play. And I think like that, it was a, and I, I felt like conflicted about it because it was one, a, in one way, a letdown, and in a second way, you were, guess, some part of you were you glad it. to see you get it. it. You get it. You understand, like, we talk about, like, all the other people who would be affected. And then the story's coming out of that, about, like, LeBron not speaking at the beginning of um, that meeting and waiting until everyone had already decided what the plan was and then speaking at the end of the meeting, which made it seem, like, a little followish mm-hmm. instead of leading the way for the rest of the NBA players. And, a t- and like, players, some players holding resentment that... Stephen A. Smith said that LeBron was trying a young boy, a lot of them. And like you said, which think at 37, you, I think that's going to happen depending yeah. on who it is that he's talking and to. And I think like the way you had you responded to that no, was this might be one person who said that, or just a few or a handful of people who feel this way, but it's reported this way. And that report is kind of dissension. And we take all of these media reports and we conflated to think that people are at odds or they're not united. But in any organization and any civil rights movement, this has always existed. You follow the history of any of this, you see people branching out and forming new organizations because they don't get along with a certain a certain person, even though their same overarching goal could be the, um, aligned. Sean King and D-Ray do not align personally and think each other are crooks or sellouts, but their overarching goal aligns. And it is the same thing that they want to accomplish which is the liberation of black people um, in America. Now, I don't know if that's what Sean King want to accomplish. I think Sean King trying to get rich. True say. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's just what it is. Maybe it could be like... You can oh, be both, I guess. One B. Yeah, I, yeah I, guess, I guess both things can be true. You can do both of them at the same <laughs> time. But like, if I get rich, that also happens. Yeah, so yeah. Win-win, yeah. everyone. <laughs> well, I, I am a member of this community, allegedly. So... I'm being uplifted, so I guess that counts, right? So whatever. That's so, kind of a win. Not only may it may have not been a player, it may have been somebody completely on the periphery who is assuming what a player felt like. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it, the the whole reporting from the bubble thing, and that became something in and of itself because there's a race within the bubble to be great. And what Twitter is, everybody. You, you just got to be first now. This is a whole yeah. diatribe on, on, on media today in general, but that, I think that was amplified with the bubble because, first of all, there's only a select group of reporters there. Mm-hmm. So you know the pool that you're competing with is already smaller. Stephen A. Smith is not there. So anything no. Stephen A. Smith gets is secondhand information. Mm-hmm. That's already watered down. So you got to consider the source and stuff like that. Immediately, not saying that he's not a good source, but I, I was like well, why aren't we hearing this from the reporters who are there? You know what I'm saying? Like, how is it? I understand. Well, he got that from Chris Haynes, didn't he? No. He, no, he didn't. He, no oh, okay. this, this wasn't a, this wasn't a, he's saying this reporter from Chris Haynes. This was a, my sources are telling me this is what it is. You know how Stephen A. Smith gets that's when true, he's in that's character. True. Yeah, yeah. That's what this was. This was like him with the KD thing all over again. Yeah. Where KD was like, that's bullshit and none of that is true. And Stephen A. Smith bounced back with the, you don't want to make an enemy out of me. <laughs> Like, I'm not, listen, I wasn't even saying he's wrong with this. I was just like, and that day we got so many different things emerging from these meetings. Yep. Like, just in our chat group alone, our heads were spinning because we didn't know what to believe. So imagine, and then Chris Mannix is reporting, like, at the same time where he was, like, kind of caping for owners about, like, the owners have done everything. I wanted to hear the black women say it. I'll just be straight up. I want, I, to me, I've been following the reporting from the bubble who I've trusted the most or maybe just whose work has resonated with me the most is Chris Haynes, Malika Andrews, Taylor Rooks. Yeah. (laughs) 
Taylor X is a great reporter. She's so good at her job. I trust everything she says. Always right. I I never see her had an erroneous report yet. You see when she was talking to Aiden about dancing the WAP, Aiden was like, dog, fuck it. Taylor X could get any interview. Who could say no? You see a LeBron, this is fun. <laughs> Who could say no? Good thing Savannah get into this bubble. Let me tell you something. I just know. The Lakers might go undefeated once Savannah gets there. You have like I have some things to talk to you about. I mean, I, I mean by the by the time by the time we publish this game, so uh will have already been played, but I am so intrigued by how this transition just back to business as usual is going to be. And I know like once you step on the court, competition takes care of itself. So at that point you could just be hooping, but still, still. And ever, for the last few years, I've been saying y'all want all these dudes to hate each other and, and, and create this division and stuff like that because they were in a different jerseys. But I honestly think that this generation for the most part has moved beyond a lot of that stuff because yeah. for them, this just their job, like how your job is your job. Like when we off the court, perfect example, Draymond Green working with LeBron and uninterrupted, right? And everybody thought that was sacrilegious. Mm-hmm. And they're like, no way. Like we play basketball against each other, but this business, this us getting this money, this is bigger than all of this other stuff right here. Think about the quality of basketball we get out of Donovan Mitchell and Jamal Murray. They go in at each other, talking trash. 50-point games. Laughing after it. Jamal Murray's better. Oh, Kentucky bias, clearly. Speaking of that, you see the shit going on with that? Anyway, I I will fall off the bandwagon with this shit quickly if they don't treat Keon Brooks properly. What is happening in Kentucky? Uh, Keon Keon Brooks has joined the voice of the African American Studies Program and other groups at Kentucky that want Adolph Rupp's name removed from Rupp Arena. And Which makes sense because every time I hear Adolph Rupp, all I think is, "Oh yeah, the racist Kentucky you know what's, name." Okay, you know what he gets a lot. You know what he gets a lot of, and he should have changed his fucking name. You name Adolph. People I didn't are, even go. I wasn't even going with that. I just know that's what. The how could you not? I mean, all I remember is that's the racist Kentucky name. Coach. One other Adolph. Don't know. You only know Hitler and Rupp. Yep. Nobody knows another Adolf. Don't know. You gotta separate yourself from that shit. Yeah. You gotta have the self awareness to do that. I'm yeah. sorry. Later in your life, you should have just changed your name. Why you ain't just going with Addy? Easy, quick fix. Addy Rupp sounds like a folksy coach that anybody would be happy to play for. Quick fix. Yeah. But anyway, so Keon Brooks was like, "Nah, I changed that shit." And you have never heard that from a current UK player. Mm-hmm. This isn't a former player. This isn't someone just coming into the program. I will tell them this. Be very careful how y'all treat to and talk to this young black recruit because y'all want more of them. Y'all want them every year. And it's something something that I heard when I was in Kentucky that always stuck with me. And I heard a white person say this. They're niggas, but there are niggas. So they will root for Kentucky basketball players and they will love that shit. And they will separate them from being a black person that's 5'10 in the stands. And I feel like that's how people look at all of this stuff. That's yeah. how people look at all of this stuff. And that probably was a big part of the reason why the Bucks was like, we ain't playing. Because them same people that's out there with Kyle Murderer, a lot of them probably have Bucks jerseys. And then I think that we also saw at the same time the power that LeBron had. Because when we were in that limbo of the NBA going away, then the next thought became, who else is going to play? Because baseball also cancels some games. And then... I think our immediate thought was what happens to football and I couldn't envision a scenario where the black players in the NBA said that we don't get paid for the rest of the season. We go on strike because of this. We put our collective bargaining agreement in jeopardy where Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes then go out and play football. I didn't see that happen. I thought like this is going to cause a domino effect where certain football players are just going to be like, no. And And then what happens and then people have to move. And we were close to a moment like that where yeah. the NBA had to pull back because of, uh, I guess, realistic concerns of the players like we had mentioned. And not to bring this to like the Joe Budden point, but Joe Budden had, um, in his beef and his relationship with Spotify and his podcast, Leaving Spotify, kind of brought this up about like when DJ Envy is up for a contract renegotiation. He's like, yeah, you could do that on your own, but like I have a family, so I will take the long-term security of this. But 
Joe also has a family, but Joe is the kind of person who would say he's going to risk it. And that was a moment where you could come back. You could risk everything and threaten a full sports strike and then see what happens and see what reform you get after that. Or you could go ahead and take the long-term deal. And that's, I think, like, to end the analogy, that's kind of like what happened. The NBA players ultimately decided we are going to take this security and then we have our our provisions and the things that we want to push back on um you know like all stadiums now are going to be voting voting stations and i know lebron is big on this voting thing but i don't envision how um getting joe biden and kamala harris elected achieves much about anything other than removing trump so i think the only the only like saving grace of that is you remove Trump and you remove a white supremacist who is the president, of, which is of course not. I say it's like a really that's a pretty huge, that's a pretty big pretty fucking big deal. Thing, like, but like all of the other fights that we've had, like when you think Michael Brown was shot under Barack Obama, like a new president doesn't magically change things. It could sometimes uh, it makes it. it worse because what we're yeah. seeing right now is we say this all the time. What we're seeing right now is the blowback from eight years of black president. Yeah, that's all this is. Yes, that's what this is. So. And another thing we said before, like, I don't know how much of a difference, it depends on how much you believe in the system and how powerful it is, but how much of a difference does one person at the top make? Because that's not changing hearts and minds. Kyle Murderer was about to be a police officer next year. The Tea Party formed and bubbled up during the Obama administration, which led to the, the Trump election, which led to people like Kyle Murderer going out and playing Call of Duty in real life in the streets and just... I've been people. telling you, dog, these first-person shooters, I, I can't rock with them. They, they, and for some reason, like, that's where all the racist gamers are on the internet. Well, they ain't going to be playing 2K, obviously. I, this is my thing. People love to come up with conspiracy theories for, um, for coronavirus and whatever QAnon shit. How about America just deciding this is how we raise the next group of soldiers and the next groups of killers? You desensitize people to the violence. Yeah. You put them in front of a screen... And then we have drones that can kill. And then when those drones become actually moving robots like in Black Mirror, then the best Call of Duty, Duty players are the best killers. Why isn't that more of a, a story that people say? Because that's actually what's going to happen. I've often said it that. It seems pretty obvious. Yeah. Amer and oh, what was that? What was the documentary that HBO had a few years ago? And it really opened my eyes to, hey, this is how war is fought nowadays. Like, it's, yeah. it's not what we think it is like it changed drastically like a lot of this stuff we're eventually going to get to the point where they're doing this like video games when obama was dropping um bombs via drones and you saw like the um see that on the screen there's no audio to it so a bunch of people die on the ground and you see a plume of smoke but you don't even hear the sound of destruction so imagine what that does to your brain completely desensitized this is, and this is what i'm saying so that, yeah so kyle murderer is just all in line with that. And I think for our last point uh, that we want to bring up um, was that a lot of the NBA players reached out to Barack Obama at the time. And you said that Barack Obama had kind of become the Yoda or the person that they go to for advice. And Obama was telling them to leverage their ability as athletes. And I, I kept wondering, like, as they reach out to Barack Obama and other people, I wonder if they reached out to anyone who was just like, fuck it, don't play. Like, because if you don't play... Like the scenario I said might happen where baseball says no and then um, maybe football says no and then what happens to the country and to everything else and what does that do to the mood and the tenor of America? So like while I'm sure Barack Obama said yes and I wonder if they reached out to anyone who just said no, straight up, don't do it. Did they ask Dr. Umar Johnson? <laughs> because... He immediately said, if y'all want to be real with this boycott, no more dating white women. And I feel like if he sat in a meeting with NBA players or even got on a phone with them and said that, everybody, that would be an uproar. Like, he would immediately like, have to leave. Hold like, the fuck up now. Ain't nobody say nothing but limiting, limiting the pool of gals we get to choose from, or men, if that's what you're into. Get the fuck out of here with that, Dr. Umar. So, and then he had... Hold on, he had a bunch of players who were dating or married to black women. No! And they, then he had Jokic. No, they were just random players, all of those. Because LeBron was on there. LeBron was on. That's what I'm saying. LeBron and Steph and Steph and Steph and LeBron would be like, 
They have black, black wives. <laughs> yeah, like, what are they? I just want to ask him why Jokic was on there. Are you going to put me on there? <laughs> I don't understand. Like, why was Jokic on there? But if if they did, I don't know. Who is the person that you can reach out to who is even on that level that you could that would have that kind of dissenting voice or somebody that that's I'm, I'm just trying to think of somebody who would be on the other side oh, of that ar- argument that is Jay-Z on the other side of that argument though does Jay oh yeah because Jay-Z is like he do- yeah he said Ribrion Nealon he ended up he ended up going to work with the NFL I don't know if he's about that protest fuck it all we're going to risk everything kind of life so I don't know who's the and even if somebody is like that who it, who has the same kind of equity with the black community that Barack Obama does? Because this is somebody who, in another country, is probably on money at this point. Yeah. What other black person in America is like that? Like, yeah. this nigga is going to be studied for the rest of time, maybe. And so what if do you Trump think... Trump doesn't erase him. He's trying. So what do you think of the, uh, the Yoda comparison? Because, of course, if you know your Star Wars lore, Yoda yeah. is... Um, the, he's a Grandmaster Jedi. He's the one you go to. He's the one all of the other Jedis go Timmy, to. Timmy, I got so much fucking questions and about in the Rise pre- of Skywalker. In the prequels, just remember when you finally got to see Yoda fight Palpatine. Now I see why that was such a big deal. You see that why that was such a big deal. I didn't then. I didn't get it because then. Because you spent so much years watching Yoda just train and not actually fight. Kind of what Obama administration even in, and then, <laughs> even in episode 4, he was just like this happy-go-lucky kind of toyish kind of figure. He yes. wasn't serious yet. Yes. But prequels, Yoda was serious. He was about that action. So, like you said, like Obama um, in any other country is on money and becomes that kind of lionized figure. And I made this um, analogy to you that Yoda was also kind of a villain. And the Jedi were kinds of villains in that universe, in the Star Wars story, if you look at it from another perspective. Um, and I, I had that same kind of, because we brought up drones, that Obama, for a whole other sect of people, is also a villain. And that the idea that heroes can be villains in another story or at another time, I think is a important kind of distinction to make. Because you think about like Barack Obama and the money that he and Michelle have made after the presidency. And the circles that they're in, yeah. um, the people who they speak to, the people who um, have their air and whose heirs they have. And the, the kind of deal Michelle signed with Spotify that at some point does their interests also align and they could still have the same overarching goals, but they don't want you to achieve the goal that way. They don't want you to be truly a disruptor. They need some kind of status quo to continue. And I'm a, like, I admire Barack Obama, but I, I also, I think that way. And this is why I asked if there was another voice who maybe was speaking them to be like, there will not be another time where you have this kind of power, possibly. Can, can that person be the face of capitalism and also have that same mindset then? Because I think that's, that's what, true. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know if they can. And okay, to stay to stay along the Yoda um, train of thought, right? The Jedi's were seen as, I guess you could say, the galaxy's police, right? Yeah. The Jedi's were the ones that were always supposed to come in correct wrongs they were fixing things no matter what on any different planet because you had jedis from Defund the Jedi. Right? so well order 66 did that's kind of that's kind of what the american government L- is right let's remember that anakin skywalker was he was a crooked police and he was an abuser yeah, yeah, of yeah. citizens so yeah, keep going, yeah yeah so so it's it's that same kind of thing so you could have been someone on a random planet that there was a small microtransgression, but the Jedi's came in, wiped shit out by their law, and automatically to you, that makes the Jedi a villain, right? Right. So it, it's the perspective and based on where you are. So all of those places that the Obama administration with the U.S. government, the U.S. government is a machine. No matter who's at the top, they're going to continue to do that shit. So Barack mm-hmm. Obama coming in was not going to change the shit right. that was going on. That just is what yeah, it is. Yeah, but he, he also did more to like push that along the line. and Because he was, he was more centrist than left. Like We yes. can't just automatically right. think and that he was left because he was black. Right, and that's where I think that's also kind of where I'm at with... Um, the idea of heroes being villains and villains being heroes. And, and this goes to, in our next podcast this week, Andrew and I will have this discussion regarding the Batman and um, the Riddler and his role as maybe a hero in that movie when you look at it from a certain perspective. Because Batman is one of those like fictional characters 
who, from a certain perspective, can be considered a villain. Because who is Batman going after? Who goes into criminal behavior? Or, like, the... Like, <laughs> dudes dudes stealing bread to feed their families and Batman just paralyzing and, them. And, like, and hanging like, them from the fucking street. Like, like, that's, like, kind of the point with a lot of this stuff. Because you could say... you so, so many of these points could be argued a certain way that are not... Um, based solely on facts but have a subjective point of view and um just the just the idea and i I keep thinking about people who push the players in a certain way to make a certain kind of decision Mm -hmm. and even the players themselves because like uh, i think i was listening to a podcast one of the things they brought up was survivor's guilt uh, the idea that they get to make so much money they're still a part of this community and like you said they're on their phones watching this happen and they feel helpless, like, I should be doing more. They felt that going in. That's what these dudes were in the streets. That's why the first thing they asked George Hill, his response was, we should have never came to this damn place anyway. Like, none of that stuff went away. It was beneath the surface because every, not everything was cool, but yeah. it slowed down. It slowed down to the point where it wasn't on that's the top KCP fold. Was missing them threes. No, that's just because he did. Um, it wasn't on the top fold of the papers anymore. If you actually read newspapers, it was in the lead story in the 24-hour news cycle, so it went away. But then when Jacob Blake happened, it's back up there. So every bit of trepidation you had before you went into the bubble, all of that came back, and all that came pouring out. So why wouldn't they consider stopping? Why wouldn't they consider leaving? And now they're back. Now they're back. And now I think, like, Max Kaliba. Max Yo, what if you go for 30 tonight and hit those threes? I, I wish it actually happens because by the time this comes out, that game would have already happened. And they I play re- tonight, right? Yeah, I really hope um, LeBron has decided that all of those people who took umbrage to how he spoke play for the Rockets, Thunder, Clippers, and Bucks. And then that's what he believes. I re- it, speaking of heroes and villains, I've been saying for the last few years, like... I, obviously, I'm going to miss LeBron James as a basketball player, but a part of me, I cannot wait until he retires just so he could be away from this. Yeah. I I want him to be away from this. Like, for his own sense, he's one of the most happy-go-luckiest people we've seen reach this status of fame. Mm-hmm. Like, this is the kind of dude who people got on him about how excited he is about watching his son play basketball. Like, that's the kind of shit that he gets, right? I want to see what it's like when he steps away from this, even though I know he he truly will never step away from it. I just want to see what that looks like. And I also, if that doesn't happen, if he doesn't step away, I want to see him embrace being a villain. Yeah. Like, and I I liked, that's why I liked that tweet, because it was like the beginning of the heel turn where he's like, fuck this. Yeah, but didn't we see him kind of do the embrace the villain thing and that led to him not being able to post up J.J. Barrett? No, but, but then, this is different, th- then after that, he went all the way back in the opposite direction and ended up going to Cleveland just because he wanted to be the good guy. Yeah, and you're right. And he's done like this whole good guy turn. He went to work. Uh, what's the fucking the owner of the Cavs? What's Dan that? Gilbert. Dan Gilbert. He went back to work for Dan Gilbert. In this environment, there's no way that happened. No. He and would the, never work for Dan Gilbert. In either. the moment we knew it happened, like, yeah, the whole thing was about, all right, Wade's on his last leg or whatever. I'm not mm-hmm. sure what's happening with Chris Bosh. We knew it seemed like a better basketball decision to go play with Kyrie. But at the same time, we also knew this was about LeBron James was never comfortable being the villain. He wanted to be the good guy, so he wanted to go win one for Cleveland. It's what he said the minute they get, uh, the minute he got the first interview after the championship Cleveland is for you but I want to see him become the villain and maybe that has to wait until he's done playing but I just want to see him embrace that role because at this point the fuck else do we have to lose I think that's what's going to happen and then they're going to finish off Portland and then whoever they face in round two. Oh, Dan Lillard's like, y'all, y'all be easy, bro. <laughs> Dan Lillard, did Dan Lillard say as soon as his meeting starts, he, I think Dan Lillard really went and then just like, I I got a baby. Like, Dan Lillard said, I'll be in the streets. I miss my baby. I did all Not I Not in the could. streets of Portland. Baby. But Dan Lillard said, I did all I could. I don't know if I wanted that for him. They out there kidnapping niggas. And he is one of them. He certainly is. Okay. You do the next topic switch. I don't even have a segue into this, I'll be honest with you. You have to you have to do this one. There is I, I, I don't I don't have the I don't have the my jump shot ain't back yet. There's there's no segue for this. Uh-huh. There's literally no segue for this. Uh shit. 
So if if we're a, if we're a podcast that's always topical, if we're a podcast that stays with current events as we record this, we are just hours away from hearing of the untimely death of Chadwick Boseman, and this is one of those this is one of those celebrity deaths that it just feels different because this is somebody whose cultural impact was just so much wider than the scope of what he did. When you think about the fact that when you think about the fact that Kobe Bryant happened earlier this year, that was yeah. somebody who also cast this wide shadow, right? Yeah. And now it happened again with with Chadwick Boseman, and the way that the news broke late at night, the way that he was out of the public's eye for quite some time as he was battling with this, the way that a lot of people didn't even knew, a lot of people learned for the first time that he was battling this but illness. I don't even- I feel that he was in the public eye, and that's what's going to um, spark another topic we have on To this, a certain because, extent, because he was still working, but when he wasn't working? Yeah, he was still working. He was going to award shows. And the well, last time I had seen him was at the dunk contest, which is back in February, which was right before coronavirus pandemic. Actors aren't working. People aren't really doing anything. And I don't think he's a social media person. So we go from, we go mm-hmm. from February to the way he looked in April when... Uh, when when it was originally supposed to be Jackie Robinson Day. Obviously, mm-hmm. this year it was postponed because based, they knew they weren't going to be playing in April, so they pushed it back to August 28th. But you go from the way he looked in February to the way he looked in April, all right? And I remember, we was talking about this before the pod, when he posted the video talking about the, the fund that was coming out during Jackie Robinson Day, donating $4.2 million. And the internet did what the internet does, right? And mm-hmm. I'm... We're not here to just try and make people feel guilty about that, but this is one of the problems that I have with social media. Like everyone was just heaping on there, trying to get their jokes off, trying to get their likes and retweets, saying this dumb shit like, "Oh, the strength of the Black Panther has been stripped away," and doing all of this stuff mm-hmm. when you have no idea what's actually going on. Is this shit actually worth it? Is this shit worth it for you to put all of this stuff out there? Looking at this now in retrospect, knowing that this man was battling stage four colon cancer and still trying to be out there and push for initiatives that he was about, your likes and your retweets and your jokes was worth it? I think it's people's desperation to always want to be in the conversation or to feel relevance. Like, if you ever see um, someone who has, like, any kind of post or video or tweet that goes viral... The first thing they then do is then try to come in under and say like, hey, look at this. Yeah. Or that, to, to have this because this is my moment where I have attention. Attention so economy. So that, that kind of a, attention is like extremely valuable to people. And I was listening to You Are Not So Smart today and they were talking about that the dopamine isn't a happiness chemical. It's about learning and that's what people end up learning. So they learn that they have to perform this way in order to get it's this kind all, of attention. It's all performance. So this is someone who... Like, I, like, just looking at his resume, I remember when he was cast as Black Panther as T'Challa, and I just said, damn, how many movies is this nigga going to be in? Like, he is the black guy, and I, you almost said, do they know other black people? Are no. Other black actors? No, like, no. Him and the guy who's Jesse Owens, who now gets, you know, who might be a possible candidate, because I think, like, another, I know there's a lot, of, a lot of conversation about, like, don't recast. Black Panther, like having yeah. Suri as Suri be Black Panther just roll, and roll with that it. way. But then you thought that I, I thought the fact that he always got these jobs means that people genuinely connected to him and liked him and said, He'll do it. Like this other guy he rubs me the wrong way, but he'll do it. Like That's that's what it is, bro, because And his name was Chadwick. I feel they also enjoyed that. Well, yeah, because it's a name it's a name that crosses over into any group, but yeah. There, there's not even one story out about him being a negative person. Like everybody, he was one of those dudes that he don't everybody. Have a Trey song story. Every, <laughs> what? Everybody who came into contact with this dude was yeah. like, he is literally a force in nature. Like somebody who is automatically an inspiration. Now, a part of that may be because of what he was dealing with. Yeah. He knew he had to live his life a certain way because there's a clock tick. There's a well, there's a clock ticking on all of us, but yeah. that's different when you know you have a terminal illness. But people resonated with not only the characters that he played, but the way he spoke off camera, mm-hmm. 
the way he was, if you watch any interview with him, and I've seen several of them. I've seen when he was with Simmons. I've seen him on yeah. Breakfast Club. Any media outlet, when they were doing the, the runs toward Black Panther, anywhere that he spoke, you could see the consistency with the type of person who he is. And I think... That there wasn't really a disconnect between the person he was on camera, on film and the person he was in real life. And think about all the the other moments, right? Because he is genuinely um, a positive person. And then during the end of the Black Panther um, media blitz where he's doing the Wakanda Forever sign and his face looks like defeated. Yeah. And people were making even jokes about Saying that. Saying that he was tired Saying doing that. that. Tired Not doing knowing that. that this man probably just came from chemo earlier or that day. something that could have been affecting him or he just thought like, what is this bullshit for? Is this, does this mean anything? And I'm out here and all these people are taking pictures but they don't know like the, uh, how fragile life is. And, and he even, I think he spoke about that and he spoke so eloquently all the time. There was one interview where I saw he was just talking about hip-hop and how much he liked hip-hop yeah and how much he liked music and how um the music is a means of communication and people speaking through emotions and I just said this nigga literally could do everything he really could he really could like the the clip that John sent us in the group the other day about Idris Elba I feel like that's that's yeah that's really what Chadwick Boseman was because the characters were so big like the he I did not think, I'd say it beforehand, when I saw that he was going to be playing Jackie Robinson, I wondered how. I did, not, I did not think that yeah. was even possible, but it worked. The same thing with James Brown. I was like, all right, James Brown is a stretch. What are we doing here? <laughs> what are we stretch. doing here? Chad, come like, on. How, how is it possible that one man can be, and for, you know what? I'm counting T'Challa as his fourth biopic. Yes. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Yeah. So how could, how could one person be Thurgood Marshall, Jackie Robinson, James Brown, and T'Challa, King of Wakanda. Like, it seems impossible, but the fact that he was doing all of this knowing that he had colon cancer is also impossible. So he constant he constantly was, was doing that. And I think I also thought about, like, how private his... How private he was as a person to, to then have it announced on the Instagram or whenever that story was breaking. Yeah. That, of course, you know, if you're sick, they probably had a plan about how they were going to reveal this and put this out. And then you think about the studio knows and then Ryan Coogler knows and they know they can't uh, film Black Panther 2 or people are calling on him to check on him or people even in the MCU or an entire universe of people, I believe, knew this and then didn't say anything about it. It came out in in bits and pieces, but it was never really at the forefront because I remember seeing on like the shady bullshit gossip sites or whatever when he had to go to the hospital. Like, I remember Mm -hmm. seeing that kind of stuff. And then it just took my mind back to the one time that he was at Steelers Fans Fest. And I think he was down to, like, 150 or something like that. But he was there. Like, they showed him. He was on the sidelines talking to Juju and stuff like that. Like, he was there to be a part of that. And it's, it's as if he knew that no matter what was going on here, I have become such a figure that I have to be on board with all of this stuff. I can't... I have to keep going with this stuff until I literally cannot. Yeah, and he probably was saying to himself he wanted to be there because he's like, yo, I have a limited time left, so, like, fuck this. I'm going to be here. I'm going to do this. And all the... You you talked about the dunk out earlier, right? All the NBA players at All-Star Weekend, he was the star of that. Like, everybody was fanboying over him because this was, like, at the height of Black Panther. And just... We've done podcasts on how important it was. Whether you think it was... A great movie is kind of irrelevant to the cultural impact that it had because mm-hmm. Black Panther was a fucking moment, and I don't even know if I don't even see how it's possible for us to get another one like that again. I hope for I personally hope that Fred Hampton's movie is like that, but I know it won't be because it don't have like the Marvel vehicle behind it. True, but I I'm just saying, as powerful as Black Panther was, and what that character became, and what it meant for so many people. I don't know if we'll see something like that again. I think they probably recast it. I think that they that they would acknowledge it and acknowledge his passing and everything he did. Because to have the run of Black Panther, two Avengers movies, and then even, I don't know if you saw 21 Bridges, which was... I watched that movie last, just because he was in it. Yeah. I started watching that at 11.30 and thinking, like, I'm going to go fall asleep to this. I ended up going to bed at, like, 2 because I had to see... Yeah. The entire movie, I was like, I didn't know you could do this accent though. I was about, to, I was about to say, like that's the that's the status he reached, right? Like, if 
if I know Scorsese did a film, no matter if I'm interested in the topic or not, I am going to watch it because that's a Scorsese vehicle, right? Mm-hmm. If I see Lil Baby or Gunna featured on a song, I'm going to listen to it no matter who the person is. You'd be James Harden. Yeah, no matter no matter Ray who's in, no matter who's in the yeah. song, I see them featuring. Yeah, I roll I roll on with that. That's how it was with with Chadwick Boseman. Like if he's a part of that, when I saw he was in the Five Bloods, I was like sold. I, I was wavering on Spike. Spike Lee had me worried for a minute with with <laughs> I. Never forgave him for Chirac. Yeah. Never forgave him for Chirac. Yeah. He did a much better job with with uh, Jesus, was <laughs> with with Denzel's son, right? He did a much better job with Black Klansman. But when I saw Chadwick Boseman was in the Five Bloods, I was like, all right, he is legitimately this is this isn't going to be bullshit because somebody's name has so much credibility. When you see them attached to a project, you know what comes along with that. That's the status that he reached. Yeah, I think he told Kevin Feige to the cast. Yeah, yeah. He, no, he has he has I that kind of... I think he's of, that kind of person. Like, how Kobe would be like, yeah. uh, okay, go play ball. Or go win the game. Like, how Kobe would die and then say, like... Defensively. The Lakers better win defensively. Like, yeah, that kind yeah, of shit. Yeah. I think he was in that boat and said, either have it be Suri or Cass, whoever it was. How incredible is the team around him that they kept this shit under wraps? Like, that is insane. For the most part, nobody knew anything until they put it out there. LeBron can't hide anything. He can't have beat his son's game and smiled. What are you smiling like that for? He just wants all the attention. And this is somebody who was an A-list superstar. Yeah. A-list superstar. But everything was kept under wraps. I didn't, I didn't even think that was possible in 2020. Yeah, I don't know. I, it I le- have no more words for this. I, I feel like... It, like it leaves a void, bro, because yeah. when I, I was in the middle of watching Star Wars and I just scrolled through my phone and saw it, and at that point, like, I was in that mood where you sleeping and in between you waking up and you watching a movie, but when I saw that, like, I was wide awake. I mm-hmm. couldn't go back to bed for, like, another three, four hours, maybe, because mm-hmm. I really was like, God, yeah. Because like, you go through the thing where you think it's fake right away, right? Like, you think... I saw too much. I knew it was real. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't even I didn't even go through the like like okay. When I heard about Kobe, I was in the gym at that time and then I saw it in a WhatsApp group and I said, nah, that's that's not real. I have to like actually go vet this. But immediately you saw the Chadwick Boseman thing was from his people. Mm-hmm. So there there wasn't even a guessing game to play with that one. Like that was just out there. There's no transitioning to it. There's no transitioning I, from it. talk about it? Just I feel like we could just leave them and like have those be the topics. We don't even have to sully that <laughs> with that last point. Unless you really have something, do you feel like you really have something that you got right now that you want to put out? Do you have a take that you want to give on it? About the party on the lawn for the RNC? Go ahead. Go, go. No, nah, not, not really, dog. Like, it, it, it puts you, like, the any Chadwick Boseman conversation right now is going to put you in a place where you don't want to talk about fuckboys. And yeah. that's really the whole RNC was a display for fuckboys. It is what it is. Tell me about it. This has been the I Need a Minute podcast. Chad, rest in power. We'll be back this week. We're doing two podcasts this week. Um, new schedule. We have Saturdays free now, so let's see what's happening. Roll it! Stay woke.